Okay, so today on the podcast, I've got James Dale, who I've had the pleasure of working with on a few occasions. Um, what I value most about James is not only his ability to sort of make noise and ruin introductions, but his ability to be completely direct and honest and to call me on my rubbish because I know personally that I'm a bit too sentimental about creativity and uh, big ideas. And James is fantastic for bringing me down to earth and reminding me about the importance of sales and how to actually make money and to get yourself out there. And a lot of the things which I kind of think might work, if I'm not sure I come to James because I want his opinion because quite often he knows because he's done it before me. So um, like I said, James, I would say is a sales master and I appreciate having you on. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. So just to give a little bit of context uh, before we dive into sort of questions all about sales and promotion, could you just do like kind of your background, how long you've been in it, how you got started, just a sort of brief a sort of origin story for those who don't know? Yeah, my first job was 16. I was working at the sport newspaper. So I was 16 with the uh, teenager's dream, working with all of the uh, ladies with big breasts and slim waists. Um, and then that kind of put me into the sales. I thought, if this is what sales is about, I'm up for sales. Um and then from there, we sold advertising um, for 15, 20 years. And then we then went on to uh, online, so working with companies to generate more traffic through Google, um, social media, Facebook, things like that. Um, and now we're working on um, brand building um, for a fashion brand called Twins and also uh, advising a debt company on helping people who are in debt simple as that really that's where we're up to yeah and for those of you who don't quite know what the sport is could you just give us a because like, it's not your, your your standard newspaper is it no the first job was the sport so um it's probably not far off what your class was par um and my job was to work with premium phone numbers when you know before the days they were on um Ant and deck saturday night quiz show premium rate numbers were for people to obviously um purchase a conversation with a girl they wouldn't normally meet down at the local pub. Um, so in our office, it was 90% blondes with big boobs and small waist. And I was 16, absolutely terrified. And did you, so did you were responsible for making these calls to convince guys of the benefits? Like, how does that, how does that work? I will get, I will get. Yeah, so, yeah, so to be honest, what it was about is obviously communicating with the girls, um, working out which was the best kind of avenue to go down. So what were their best selling points? Um, sure people can imagine what they probably were um, and then obviously getting that across on an advertisement uh, in them days they didn't have a website so it's all uh, newspaper driven so a lot of the adverts we'd actually create with um, you know lovely pictures of ladies coming out kind of thing yeah um, and that generated a premium a premium uh, revenue stream for the sport they actually generated probably 70% of the revenue from numbers in the end they were making more money off the numbers than they were off the paper so, yeah, wow. it was interesting to say the least. Uh, didn't last there long. Obviously, got a little bite for the old sales, went into uh, do some more work, premium numbers uh, on fax machines and things like that. A good friend of mine worked out a fax machine could only read zero and one, so we didn't understand what grey was. It only understood what black and white was. And that obviously made the fax machine slow down, which was going back to a premium rate number, which generated more and more revenue. So, yeah, it was the early days of premium rate numbers. We did a lot of work on that. And then that was it straight into on-the-phone sales then. And it's kind of, I mean, I noticed that you, it's always been sales and it seems to me that it's kind of 
what you have to evolve with the time. So the medium changes of where people are paying attention. It's kind of, as you say, you've gone from phone numbers to direct marketing and then you're moving on with brand building now with sort of social media. But it's, I'd imagine there are sort of still core skills which have equipped you well and what you teach other people. Yeah, I think what you've got to do and what a lot of people don't do is you've got to kind of actually, who are you trying to connect with? You know, so if you're trying to connect with somebody to sell them uh, a cheap mortgage, then, you know, you, you go down a different avenue than putting it on Facebook. You know, Facebook people go on Facebook to look at your mate's girlfriend or to see if your math teacher's fit. Um, you're not going to sell a mortgage through it. So you've got to, obviously, everyone says you've got to go on all the social media. You've got to go and do all the emailing and all the websites and SEO. And to be honest, you don't. You've just got to find what works for you. Every product's different. Um, but you've got to kind of connect with who you're actually uh, trying to sell to. That's the main thing. People just kind of go down the same old route every time. It doesn't work. And I think that's probably it because that's, that's always what I've come across is you'll see people who, who will say like exactly that. You can... Uh, build a business on Instagram and sell to people and this is how to do it and they'll always they'll preach similar things but as you're sort of saying it's like well it's people on there for different reasons and you've got to really reverse engineer them when they're in the mindset to buy and what they're doing when they're doing that and like what so you've always been a big advocate of like pay-per-click for example because people are searching for it so they need it they're much more open to buying from you yeah pay-per-click search so you're always going to get the best results so if you go on Facebook, you're not searching for anything. Um, you're not searching for a cheap car. You're not searching for a holiday uh, with Google or, or you know any other search engine. To be honest, you, you know you're actually searching out there. So they're the best uh, conversions you're going to get. Um, but obviously, at the same time, they're the most expensive as well. So sometimes people might want to go down one um, avenue but can't afford to. So they look for a secondary one, and what they'll find a lot of the time is they're better off putting a hundred pounds into the expensive one than £100 into something else, which they're going to get a lot more exposure in their eyes, but real exposure isn't going to, you know, isn't going to uh, turn into, you know, conversion. So I always say start off small, find the right route. So put so much money into your Facebook campaigns, your pay-per-click campaigns, your email campaigns, sorry, your SEO. Uh, look at absolutely everything and see what your conversions are before you go silly on it. A lot of people just put the credit card in Google and keep the fingers crossed. Yeah, which I think is good advice. Like you say, you test everything and then you see what you're getting a return in and sort of double down on that. And that always brings me on to kind of, I think with, with freelancers and, and the people in my audience, it's kind of, they're always a bit unsure of how to promote themselves. And is it about, you know, building a dream portfolio or, or networking? What's your kind of, what would you say to people who are struggling to kind of get clients and struggling to sort of sell themselves to people? First one, understand the client. You know, everyone tries to, they, they understand their own product, but they don't, they, a lot of people don't understand the client. You need to understand the client first. So understand the client and obviously look at what other people are doing in their marketplace. You know, if you've got a marketplace which is just your own, well, you know, you, you can make it your own, can't you? But obviously if you're in a marketplace where there's a lot of sharks, then have a look at what they're doing and have a look what's working for them. Um, but a lot of people think their product is exciting and a lot of the time it's not for 90% of the people looking at it. So you've got to make it exciting as well. And obviously get people pulled into it. So, you know, like any sales pitch, you've got to sell a dream. You know, so it's like yours, you know, you started off doing brand and you're getting a lot of people looking at yours, you know, looking at pretty pictures and the PDFs we joke about and things like that. But are you going to get the, you know, the marketing director from Kellogg's looking at a PDF download and you're not going to? So you've literally got to kick the back door and slap around the face and say, look at my products here. Yeah, no, that that's kind of true. I've heard someone else say, you know, sell what people are buying. And he said these similar that. He said, look what else is selling and start there. Because if people are already buying it, there's a market for it. So you've got a chance. 
and that thing of yeah what we joke about is you know you sign up for my lead magnet it's like a pdf guide and you know i can spend ages designing this great pdf guide and as you say like well no one's going to read it and the people that do aren't going to be people that are going to pay you decent money so it's kind of you need to think how are you going to get in front you of said, you said it yourself you generated a lot of college students which is fantastic looking at your work and how you've done it and asking you questions but not of college students are going to help you pay your mortgage at the end of the month and that, and that that's your biggest problem you know are, are you going to be a creative uh, guy who obviously designs people's branding or do you want to be a school teacher and you've got to be careful you, you didn't fall too much into being a school teacher yeah i think that's true because it like it feels good to teach people but like you say if you're not paying the bills there is that other pressure that comes with it so you've got to balance that i think that's certainly true and when it comes to like you're saying research your market what techniques would you say to find out about what people want to buy to be honest it's like anything but if you're going to go down a google paper click route then it's always good to ask your friends what would you type in so if i'm selling mobile phones what i'm going to type in google you know what i'm going to say buy phone you know buy nokia iphone cheap phone no ask your friends because just because of the key phrases you think are going to pull traffic through doesn't actually mean it's going to pull traffic through. So ask people around you is the best bet to start with. If it's if it's a campaign which you, you've got absolutely no idea on, then, you know, speak to your competitors. You know, when I say speak to your competitors, ring them up. There's nothing wrong with filling an application file out and see what you get back. You know, that's what everybody yeah. does. You know, a, a lot of the brands I'm working on at the minute, you know, people are using their names as key phrases on Google, which, to be honest, you know, they're pinching people walking through my shop window, but people are doing it. It's that's what the market's about now. It's about getting your name out there, however you can do it. Yeah, so you, you act like a customer sort of to test it out, and like you say, go to your rivals almost and see. Yeah, you've got to swap exactly hats. how that works. Swap hats. You've got to swap hats. Put a customer's hat on instead of you know you, you you believe in what you're doing and you and you like your product, but you need to understand. If I was walking past the shop window, am I going to stop and have a look at it? And if you're not, you've got it all wrong, and you've got to restart again. But if you're at the stage to start marketing and you've got a marketing budget, then just put, you know, find 10 platforms and put 10% of your budget in our 10 and see which one gives the best conversion. People always try, people always try and think there's a, a magical solution to it, and there actually isn't because every product's different. And what, when it comes to, uh, I'm going to, well, I'm going to jump around because there's lots of different questions I've had in, but pricing your services is another big one. Where do you stand on sort of maybe getting people to pay a little bit more or like how to, how to price your services? Is it more sort of high volume, lower price, or you go the opposite end of like just hold out for a few, a select few who might pay a, a premium for what you offer? I think every product's different, isn't it? If you're selling socks, then you go for numbers, don't you? Simple as that, really. Yeah. Um, there's only some, some, so far you can go. If you're selling an actual service like yourself, um, I would hold out and obviously give yourself a bit of credibility and um, you know go for the bigger clients. It all depends on you as an individual as well. Um, there's website companies out there selling websites for 99p. There's website companies out there starting point of £50,000. It all depends on what part of the market you want to go down. Do you want to do three websites a year or do you want to do 300 websites? Um, every product's totally different and you've just got to break it down from the start. Okay, and you were saying so, like if I if I wanted to sort of position it more, so I want to go after the potentially more lucrative, if that's the approach I want to take, how do I kind of go about getting those sort of more elusive dream clients? First of all, I'd go out there and I'd, and I'd do some free work. So I'd go to certain businesses and I'd, I'd, I'd find businesses which you know you could improve, you could improve the conversion rate on, and I'd just knock on the door and say, listen, this is what I'm about, setting up a business. Um, I need some testimonials. I've had no clients. I'm really good at what I do. Um, and, and let me work for you for free. You know, get, give me a campaign. I don't want to charge you anything. Um, and then at the end of it, all I ask for is a, a, an honest an honest review. 
once you get a couple of reviews up there and start knocking on people's doors, um, you'd be amazed how many people actually uh, come back to you. But if you've got nothing to show them, then, um, you know, you, you're starting really, you know, backtreading in, in, in the pond, really. You, you need to have reviews and you need to have some testimonials and you need to have some examples. So I'd definitely say knock on some doors and just say I want to work for you for free and I think that people will respect you a lot for that and they'll give you an opportunity. And if anybody knocks on my door and said I want to work for you for free, pull up a chair for them because it shows ambition. Yes, and I think, like I said, you, that's the bit where you get to take control because you pick and choose the kind of brands you want to work with. Because you, you're like I said, you're, and then you're giving them, and it's like you say, no, people aren't going to say no. They're going to go, well, yeah, of course, I've got nothing to lose out of this. And for you, now you're walking away with hopefully good testimonials and case studies of the type of clients you want to get, which makes selling you to that next sort of range of clients much easier because you've got the case studies to back it. Yeah, 100%. If you go on a website now and you say you're the best web designer in the world and you've not got a website to show them, and nobody's going to give you the benefit. So I definitely think knocking on doors, I think, and, and you'd be amazed at you know, how many doors you knock on. And actually, after showing that the confidence, you know, confidence is the main part of this. After you're showing a confidence and you're showing that you can do the job, you know, that free client, which you've asked for a testimonial, could very easily turn into a paid client as well. Yeah. So it's a great yeah, way to open, and- it's a great way to open the door. People love confidence, um, yes. And people people love to see somebody who's willing to put a bit of time in, um, not just for a quick easy book, but to actually uh, you know build a relationship. The main part of any business is relationship building. And when it comes to finding that confidence to reach out, like cold calling. What tips have you got on that? Is that a case of um, repetition? So it's like you, the more you do it, the easier it gets. To be honest, to be honest, yeah. To be honest, cold call is finished now. Obviously, with the laws, you can't cold call anyway. So regarding GDPR, yeah. Sorry, like it's that. probably the wrong phrase. But when yeah, you said like um, knock on a door, I mean, obviously, that's quite. I, you know, that's a sort of door-to-door salesman phrase. But well, there is that is, thing of well, you can well, turn well, up. It is, it's, yeah, it's an honest thing. You're knocking on somebody's door. You're asking speed to manage your direct. So only if you use a window clean, you're going to knock on the door, right? Say, do you need your windows cleaning? You know, the, the only thing you're doing is knock on the door going, listen, you're being honest. You know, you're a businessman. You've got a business. I really respect what you've done for yourself. I've just started. I want to do well for myself, for what I feed my family, pay my mortgage. I want to do some work for you for absolutely free. I'm going to show you some work I've done in the past. There's a portfolio. When I say work in the past, it can be college work. Um, it can be work you've just done as demos for yourself, things like that. I want to work for free. Give me a project. I won't let you down. I don't want anything apart from a testimonial. That's what business is based on, knocking on doors, building relationships. The cold calling thing, I don't expect someone to sit on a phone and ring 300 numbers a day. One, it's illegal, and two, you know, it's it, it's something you do in the 1980s, not something you do now. And what about, like, cold emailing then, that kind of approach where you're just – the- Yeah, no, forget emailing. No, I don't know anybody who's got a business who's going to take it seriously gets an email for you saying, can I work for you for free, you know. Um, I just think it's all about confidence and I think people will really respect it and be more willing to give you an opportunity if you're willing to put your suit and tie on, uh, go and knock on a door and just be honest with somebody. And if you knock on 100 doors and get one bite, um, I think you've had a good day. Yeah, so that's interesting because, like you say, it's the opportunity almost is because people would are more tempted to hide behind DMing people on Instagram or, e- or sending emails and that thing of, I can tick that box because I've sent 20 emails today. Uh, eventually I'll get a client is that you kind of you hide behind it a bit don't you everyone's scared scared of it you know I've I've heard of councils now what turn emails off one day a week because these people in the building who've worked there for five years and they've never actually spoke to them but they send them 20 emails a day you've got to go back you know you've got to rewind a little bit and um, I think you get a lot of respect just being honest with people and knocking on the door and you're not selling them anything you know you're offering a service a free service which to be honest 
any businessman out there who deserves any respect would give you 10 minutes of the day, wouldn't they, and listen to you. And if they don't, then you don't, you don't want to work with that kind of people anyway. And when it comes to the thing of, say, you've done like a couple of campaigns now, you've got a couple of projects that have done quite well, what's the approach then? Do you go back to those clients, maybe ask for a referral, or do you keep approaching new clients going? Because once the pitch changes to, like, I'm going to charge you, how does your approach change? No, I don't think you do. I think it's all about a poker face. At the end of the day, if you go into a company and you do a really good job for them and you get a testimonial off them, if that job was actually a really good job, they're going to ring you back, aren't they? You know, there's nothing stopping you giving them a call a few months down the road saying, how do you get on? How do you think? Is there anything else I can look at? They will come to you. You know, um, Ronaldo didn't knock on Man United's door, did he? No, no, it's a good point. And when you go... And as far as pricing, so like we're thinking now, I, I really appreciate like kind of you getting out there, getting your first couple of gigs, and then they come back to you for work, and then you're starting to do your pricing. How do you go about maybe pricing your services? Probably start with what's the industry standard, and then how do you go about start putting them up? Do you put your price up with every new job? Do you how does it, it, how do you it, it, depend, it depends on confidence you want to be and what the client was like to work with. You know, anybody will tell you they'd love to find a job which they enjoy working with the people around them and they get paid for it. So yeah. you can just, just be confident again and be honest. And if, if you go from doing a free job for somebody and they say, listen, we really love what you do. We obviously can't expect to work for, for free forever. What are your costings? You know, you can just say, well, what, what is it you want? And secondly, how much would you be happy to pay me for that? Always let them come up with the number first because you might go in a lot lower. So if you've done a yeah. really good job and you've built up that uh, respect with that, with that client, then they're not going to shortchange it. And you may be very surprised at what they're willing to, uh, willing to offer you. Like we've done in the past when you've spoke about clients and the, and the value you go in at. Always let them come to you. Try and turn it on them. At the end of the day, it's a sale. You know, you're a salesperson. You might not think you're a salesperson because you design websites or you do branding. But you are a salesperson. You're selling yourself every day. So turn around to them and say, listen, the last job was free. You want me to do this job? Let's be honest. How much do you want to pay me to do the job? They might turn it back on you with a better poker face, but that's where it comes down to. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I think it's um, depending on what level you're at, and there are whole different ways of pricing your services. Uh, I guess that thing of saying what's your budget is always feels like a bit of a cop out. But as you say, it kind of it if you're not comfortable playing that game, it's a case of you can say, "Well, just show me your cards, and we can get on with it." And then, like you say, it's, almost, it's much just better to kind of cut to the chase. Hundred percent, and they'd, they'd appreciate that. At the end of the day, people get hundreds of emails a day. I get hundreds and hundreds of emails a day. People offering deals and you know, get a website and get, you know, the, the mobile-friendly version free and, you know, we'll sell you some data and you can do this. And it's just all nonsense. It's like watching a 1980s movie. At the end of the day, if you want to speak to me, come to my office, let's have a mug of tea and uh, let's take it from there. You just got I think you've got to go really, really honest and, and, and really to the point. And at the end of the day, if, if you are good at what you do, nobody's going to even look at the bill. You know, if you want somebody that much to work for you, you're not going to sit there penny-pinching. So it's all about confidence, selling yourself all the time, every day. Now, that's interesting because yeah, I, I, I like that approach. I think it makes sense. You know, you, you've, you've already, like you said, there's no risk in them. You've, you've proven your worth and they financially will be able to attach a value to what you've given for them. So they will already have, and they'll know what their budgets are. So it's kind of, well, this is what we can afford to pay you for what we think you'll be able to do for us. Yeah, definitely. That ballpark, you go for there. Yeah, and if they don't come back to you, you know, at the end of the day, what, what you've got out of it is what you went in for anyway, and that's a testimonial. You know, yeah. you can put that job on your website and you can put the testimonial underneath it. Simple as that. So, you know, worst case scenario, you've still got what you went in for. And once you've got more and more and more testimonials, and try and, if it was, for example, 
a website designer, try and go over a few different business sectors so you're not just speaking to restaurants or, you know, speak to anybody. It doesn't matter what they do. If they've got a business and you can help increase their conversions or increase the traffic to their website or increase the amount of clients, well, contact them every day. That's any business just wants more shoppers. Simple as that. You want more people through the door, more people ringing the phone. And if, as a website designer, that's what your job is and that's what you've got to sell. Yeah, I think that's that, that's always the dichotomy of like, I know that from running a hotel, if I'd come to myself and said, right, I'm going to rebrand you and it's going to be five or 6,000, I would have said, no, I can't afford it unless you can guarantee you're going to get me more bookings. And I need well, to exactly. see proof well, of that. Use you as an example. So I knock on your door, you answer the hotel door and I say, listen, I want to work for you for free. How many days uh, have you got left in your hotel for August? And you go, it's half empty. I go, okay, I'll fill it for free. And then let's have a sit down at the end of the month. If it doesn't yeah, work um, out, all I ask for is a testimonial. Fantastic. You're not going to shut the door in my face. You're going to invite me for a cup of tea and a scone, and I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah, and I would come back to you and go, look, can we repeat this? That well, if, it, if it works. I've just, your hotel. I've just filled your hotel, and you're going to tell me how much you're going to pay me. No, that's really good. I like that. And so I think a couple of things, obviously, depending on what the value is you provide to the customer, that's an industry thing, isn't it? It's going to come down to probably paying customers. So is there any kind of things that you've noticed or techniques or promotions that have always done well for you as far as, um, you know, getting results? I know that my friend said well, he had an email list and when he switched it from giving away like a free freebie to giving people a discount at his online store, his sales went up massively because once they were trained to buy once, they just were happy buying again and again and again. So what, what have you noticed as yeah, far well, as? Well, we've, had, we, we, we've worked on campaigns and, you know, businesses I'm involved in where we've sponsored, uh, you know, sporting events, you know, with 50 million people watching it and sales haven't gone up. And then we've uh, done a buy one, get one free and we've generated more off that than we did off, you know, promoting through, through the TV. So um, I don't believe in that anymore. If I'm totally honest, I think it's great for brand awareness, um, but you're not going to generate more sales through it, or very minimal. You're never going to pay for it anyway, that's for sure. Um, I've noticed more than ever that if you're offering a jacket, say for argument's sake, for £100 and you say buy two and you get a free tracksuit top, you're going to increase your sales massively. Um, I, I just think the hope that even the Instagram, you know, I think that game's changed now. We used to be able to put a cap on somebody's head, you'd get 500 more followers and you'd sell 20 caps. People are wiser to it now. They know the guy from Love Island, you know, he's just got your cap for free, doesn't really like your brand, but he's been paid £500 to say it. So you've got to move on from that and look at the next look at the next move. I think if you make your brand cool and you make the content cool and you make people want to talk about it and engage in it, which all goes back to content, I think people will naturally purchase. Um, and then if you do want to do a special offer, you know, link a purchase to a purchase. And so that's interesting. Like you said, I've, yeah, I've noticed that with Instagram as well. It's become very salesy. Everyone on there is promoting something. Every, if it's not like a paid ad or like a you know a like paid promotion, it's very promotional and it's kind of boring. You were saying you've noticed a change. Is that so? What's so now? Are you finding because you're obviously building twins and you're working with a lot of influencers? What sort of changes have you noticed? And what's your point of view moving forward for sort of technique? Content rich, make really, really nice content, really, uh, really visual content, content which people want to share, um, and I think they'll naturally uh, expand your business for you. It's as simple as that, really. Obviously, on some products, it's, it's quite hard because you know you might be selling, you know, connectors to brass pipes or some or radiators or something. So sometimes you've got to be a bit uh, use your imagine a little bit uh, imagination. But I think a lot of the time, so I'll go back to content and also 
getting content out on as, as many different streams as you can. So, you know, finding out the, the online blogs which relate to your product, you know, speaking to uh, the, the websites and so on, and, and getting articles on there about your business, you, you know, you've got to get yourself out there and you, you've got to get the content out there and it all links back to, to your brand or to your business. Um, but this day, it's a visual world. It's a one-click world. If you can't one-click, nobody's interested, you know. You can click on something on Instagram and purchase it. You can click on something on your TV and purchase it. People are very, very lazy. So if you can't pull them in in five seconds, then you've lost them. So I just say content. You know, really, really eye-catching content and really interesting content. But also when I say content, it's not just pictures. It's well, write some articles. Get some people to write some articles about your business if you can't do it yourself and get them placed on different websites all reaching back to you. And it'll just grow itself. If you put enough out there, you know, it's a pyramid, pyramid effect. You know, John will speak to Peter and people, Peter will speak to Paul and before you know it, you spend very little and you, you've got a massive increase in visitors and traffic and sales. And, and when it comes to creating that. content, mm. I'm interested because obviously what you, you're planning that with Twins obviously now. So what, mm. what type of the – so like Twins obviously is like a lifestyle, like fashion brand, a lot of ath- – ath- is it athleisure or like that kind of like workout yeah, gear? Isn't yeah, it? it's street casual. So, you know, you're looking at tracksuits, uh, baseball caps, gym wear. You know, the, the game's changed now where people, you know, used to get changed after they've been to the gym. You see people walking around now in leggings and, you know, guys as well. And, you know, the whole culture's changed. People wear, you know, leisure clothes, you know, to go to Nando's for the dinner now where they normally get changed after the gym and put their jeans on. So it's changed very much and you've got to kind of change your content around that as well. Um, you know, if, if like I said at the start, you've got to find out who your customer is, and, and you've got to attack them that way. And so, how do you come up with ideas for content that you think might work? Because I think it's for me, it's the balance of I agree, like if you can put in quality content, that's that's even better because it's more likely to be shared. But it's often more expensive and time-consuming to create. So, how do you make that balance between getting content out often and then creating quality content that's worth sharing? Um, I, th- I think, like I say, for, for us. It's knowing the customer, and over a period of time, we've got to know the customer and how we can relate to the customer. Um, so, what we're now do is say if it's a new range of clothing, what's coming out, we'd, we'd actually look at the clothing, figure out who's actually going to be wearing that, and then actually obviously work at a market model around that at the same time. And how do you gather information on your customers? Is there a way of over a period of time? Inside? It's just over a okay. period of time, so you can see the you know you can use Instagram for certain things like you can see the age groups, you can see what times people are coming to connect with you. That's one of the, 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 the things I love about it. So the most isn't just the facility of it, but it's actually the insights it gives you. So it tells us the age groups, the sex, who's looking, who's purchasing. Um, it'll also give you the times people are looking. So your main question is, what, how do you figure out when and what and how? You know, Instagram is a great insight into that. So, you know, at the start, we thought our age groups were a little bit different. You know, Facebook and Instagram proved us wrong on that. Um, and then we've remodeled our marketing for them age groups now, and obviously we can see the difference in sales. And what? And when you say um, you, because obviously, like you say, the Love Island influencers and stuff has has changed things. So I'm just I'm just curious to give examples of content that you've created that have done really well. That you th- that you sat there strategically and thought, okay, if we can partner with this person to do this type of stuff. I know that like one site I look on Instagram is the FA Two. It's like a football skills channel, but it's got 6 million followers and it's effectively like Soccer AM. It's just guys doing cool skills, goals, lifestyle, streetwear, it's, it's, and, but it's so popular and so shareable. So, I mean, could you just take me behind the scenes of like a campaign or you'd run for twins? Yeah, I think you've got to take two steps back, to be honest. So, 
obviously, you know, we've worked with some of the biggest stars in the world, and if they put a hat on and go on their Instagram and go, we love twins, it kind of does the opposite effect. At the start of Instagram a couple of years ago, people kind of, you know, if, if, if somebody they like put uh, some clothing on, then they would follow just for the sake of that. People are a lot more aware of that now. So what we've noticed is, for instance, we, you know, we've done campaigns. Uh, I'm a worker at the minute, so I can't really say the names, but we've got campaigns with people now, and when they're just wearing it on a TV show and they're just wearing it um, in, in the social life. They're not actually, we're not going out there to do a photo shoot with them, but we know yeah. in the back of our minds that they're going to get picked up. Uh, we've already seen it already on the newspapers, online and things like that. And we're not pushing it down people's throats. Um, and I think that's a massive difference how that game is, has, has changed now. There's still a lot of people still doing it, but it doesn't work. So I think the actual, the best way to answer questions is, obviously with a clothing brand, you just need people to be seen in it, talking about it. Um, you don't need them to stand there with a big cheesy smile and with a thumb up on Instagram. Um but if it was a different kind of product, like a service, like what you offer, um, yeah. it's totally different market strategies. And I don't believe uh, Instagram is the best for you. Um, but I think there are other platforms out there which I wouldn't use for my businesses, but would work fantastic for you. So it goes right back to the start of the conversation. You, the first thing you need to do is get a piece of paper and find out who your customers are. It's the most important thing, and it'll save you the most money. I know people who've had million-pound budgets and the, the companies have failed because they've just gone out there thinking what would work. They haven't actually done any research. Okay, and that, so that, like I say, it all comes back to that, isn't it? Because the, they're all on different channels, and it's like, say, you're researching the channel that you're going to communicate on, the type of customers and what they yeah. want. Yeah. And then that, that and then reverse engineering, that means that this is the kind of content you're going to have to produce to pique their interest on the right channel that they're paying. You need to reverse it from day one. Everybody gets carried away with the business. They've got a fantastic product. They want to get out there. They want to tell the world. And I can guarantee you that everybody wastes 90% of the market budget. New businesses, new ideas. You need to sit down and and work out who your customer is. And everybody does the same mistake. I've done it myself. And when it comes to kind of, I guess, timeless or future-proof or various ideas, uh, moving forward what kind of trends are you noticing that that seem to be working so like for example i've noticed a lot of people kind of creating facebook groups and um promoting in within that facebook group and upselling from there is one approach i have saw it was a lady she was a coach and she made a whole business through instagram through instagram stories mainly always promoting masterminds and workshops and like private coaching and that's how she did it she sort of funneled everyone into a group and community seemed to be on the rise is there anything I guess generally that you've spotted or you thought you thought it's quite interesting where it's worked. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the upsell, to be honest, is, 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 is kind of added on to what you just said then. So I think a lot of people these days are offering a service of free. So for instance, say if you was a uh, fitness instructor, you know, there used to be £20 a month to sign up. I know somebody who's a personal coach, they get everyone to sign up for free. Um, you get two months free. Um, and then obviously on the, on, on the third month, they start to charge you. And then before you know it, you're buying their tracksuit with their name on it and their water bottle rest of it so i've seen a lot of people offering stuff for free out there at the minute which obviously you know there's a cost coming down down the road but that also connects really to what i said about knocking on the door doesn't it? it's exactly the same as knocking on somebody's yeah. door and i work for free but later on down the line payment so it's exactly the same as going on instagram going first 30 days free or first 60 days free and then payment it goes back to the model of get them on the hook before you start leaving them in that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. So if you well, it goes back around in a full circle, you know. So if you want to get customers, don't hit them straight away with a, a bill in the face and a smiley cheesy, smiley cheesy face. 
Okay, so that's interesting. So that, that is, I mean, that's completely full circle. Is that, I mean, I guess I know your time is tight, so you'll have to head off in a minute. But um, I guess that the, what would you, what would your parting advice be for any freelancers, like creative people out there who are looking to kind of make the most of social media and promote themselves and do that kind of any sort of like takeaways that you're, I mean, it might just be repeating what you've said because you no, don't want to do you. Yeah, 100%. What I'd do is I'd turn off your computer, yeah, put your phone down, put it in your pocket, go and get your suit on and go and knock on some doors. Simple as that. Yeah. Don't concentrate too much on social media. It's great to learn. It's great to learn off people like yourself. It's great to grow when you've got time to grow. But if you're sat there now behind your desk and you're saying you want clients, Get your best suit on, go knock on some doors, offer your time for free, and you'll build a business. If you're waiting for them to come through Instagram and befriend you and say, can I send you a check for 20000 you're going to have grey hair before that happens. Yeah. No, I think that's um, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the kind of advice I would expect, kind of going against the grain, because it's all sexy to sell Instagram and online learning and getting your dream clients through followers and all this kind of stuff, but it takes ages. And I think it's a massive digital distraction a little bit. Everybody's doing the same thing. Yeah. Everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody sets an Instagram account. Everybody gets an email address. Everybody starts sending out emails, introducing themselves, do something a bit different, put your computer down, put it in your bag, put your suit on, go and knock on some doors and you'd be amazed what reaction you get. Yeah. No, that's great, James. And no, I appreciate that. I think we'll, uh, We'll call it a day there because I appreciate your time and your your busy, you know, going out there and making things happen. So thank you very much. No uh, problem. That's been really refreshing because I think it's it's definitely different to all the a lot of the stuff that I've heard. Um, and so it's nice to have that other perspective and, and nice to have a kind of fallback plan for what to do when we know when you know because it's easy to try the digital angle, but when it's not working, you can't beat just like you say going out there with a plan and well, well, uh, getting well, some clients. The other thing I would ask is once you've got a bit of momentum and you've got a couple of clients paying you. And you've got the time to sit there on Instagram. And you've got the time to sit there on Facebook. You know, it's not a bad thing to have social media in your life and in your business. But if you're sat there now with a laptop and you've got no clients paying you and you're wrenched during 30 days, you need more than 30 days to grow that online because everybody's doing the same thing. And you're up against agencies who are generating millions and millions and millions of pounds a month. You can have every key phrase on Google. You can have every best celebrity talking about them you're going up against that. So you need to be a realist and you need to, like I say, get out there and knock on some doors and you'll get a lot of work because people don't knock on doors anymore and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I'd love someone to knock on my door and say, I'll work for free for you because the first thing I do is give them an opportunity. I get, I don't know, six, seven hundred emails a day. People send in a CV, the same promises, the same template. I want to see someone's face. I want to see what they're going to do for my business. And if they can add to the business, why would you say no? That's what you've got to ask yourself. But it also what's interesting now I look at it is exactly what you've said. It's this thing of physically going out there, using the free offer to get the work to justify yourself. And then when you get the paid work or they come back to you or you're able to land more work because of the testimonials, you're doing the same approach digitally because you're now kind of going, well, now it's like what you said about it's all about content. So now I've got work coming in. I reinvest in another way by creating really good quality content based on what I know about my customers. It's the same thing. It's like you say, delivering value. It's one big value. circle. It's one big yeah. circle. Just like the famous, you know, I don't want to mention the name, there's, there's obviously gyms out there, and they'll say first month free. They're doing exactly the same thing. They're knocking on your door, saying that you can use their stuff for free on the promise that if they enjoy it, you're going to sign up. And that's all I'm yeah. saying. That's what you need to do. Go and knock on some doors, get some work, and you'd be amazed what can happen. And I guarantee they'll get work, and I guarantee them free customers if you do a good job of to pay customers. 
Okay. No, that's brilliant, James. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Keep up the good work. All right. Take care, mate. Bye. Oh, if anyone wanted to follow you and stay in touch with Twins, what's the social like, links they can go to to sort of Just see? Go to Twins Corp Instagram. Twins Corp. Okay. Lovely. Thank you very much. No problem, buddy. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye now. That we get extra, extra.